Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up early today with Rob Abrugeman. He is the CEO at Canstar Resources, uh, TSXB listed gold explorer with assets in Newfoundland. Um, we talked to him about their recent fundraisers, how they're going to go about delivering a, a value for shareholders at this early stage. Some pretty impressive uh, uh, samples from Surface, 4,400 grams per tonne. Not shabby. Uh, so we talk about that. And uh, if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, on the company itself, and how they're going to go about delivering this value, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There are commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including gold. We've got training courses to help you with your diligence process, summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time, because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts, thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. Uh, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. I think you'll like it. Rob, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, so where in the world are you? I'm based in Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Canada. How is life in Toronto, Canada? It's getting better. It's uh, winter is almost behind us. We we had a day last week where it was sunny and twenty degrees. Of course, then it went back down to minus ten. Right. But uh, at least we've got some hope. I think there's hope on the COVID front and there's hope on the weather front. So that's, it will look as good. That that sounds good to me. We're, we're we're in the same boat. We're hoping for the good weather soon. I'm looking for those daffodils adorning our front lawn to burst into life. Um, we're going to hear a new story today, so I'm excited about that. So appreciate you uh, making some time for us. Um, and it's a relatively new, new one too. But um, first, before we do get into um, that, can you give me a one-minute overview of the story for people who perhaps haven't heard it before? And I'll pick up with some questions after that. Sure. So Canstar is a uh, Canadian-based exploration company, and we're focused on the island of Newfoundland, Canada. And Newfoundland is probably one of the hottest gold exploration plays right now because people have begun to realize the, the potential for high-grade orogenic style gold mineralization. And last year in the fall, we picked up uh, one of the biggest gold exploration land packages uh, currently on the island. It's over 620 square kilometers. There's been very little exploration done on that. Most of that was done in the 1980s. But there's been enough done that there's uh, over 20 high-grade gold occurrences at surface, spanning about 30 kilometers. So you know, it's, there's a lot of gold there at surface. Now we just need to find where it is uh, in the ground. Right. That's all chestnut. It's easy. Don't worry about it, Rob. It's easy. Um, we, should, uh, we should find out a little bit about you first, though. So tell me, so what, what's your background and experience relevant to what you're about to do? So my background is pretty unconventional, I think, uh, as a mining CEO. So um, background is really corporate development and equity research and investment. So uh, I was an equity research analyst focused mostly on small cap stocks in Canada. Um, then I worked on the proprietary trading desk for one of Canada's major banks. So basically trading the bank's money um, with a mandate of just make money, long, short, any sector, just you know, make us money. And by did virtue you, of being in did Canada, you? I did, yeah. Even uh, yeah, every year we had some phenomenal returns. Um, even in 2008 when I was there, we it was still positive. 
Um, and more importantly, I think it was a fantastic learning experience that I'm now trying to apply to the mining sector. Um, so when I left uh, that world, I said, yeah, I'm going to focus in on the mining sector, but um, really from an investment perspective and try to apply the same fundamental principles, which is you know, capital preservation, managing risk, and probably most importantly, um, the fundamental approach I used historically for investment was try to skew the odds in your favor. So it's, you know, especially when you're talking junior mining, it's gambling, you know, and you don't want it to be a coin toss where it's 50-50 and you make money or not. Um, my notional rule of thumb at the bank was I want to be right 70% of the time. And the, I, love, I love research. It's really fundamentally what drives me and have a passion for. So I do as much research, collect information as much as I could in a pretty compressed time frame, and then try to be right 70% of the time, but also when I was wrong, just cut my losses. And yeah, we had phenomenal returns, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, doing that. And so I'm trying to do the same thing here. So I'm, I'm learning as much as I can over time about the mining sector, and I've been in it now for, for 10 years and then researching it before that. Um, we've had some success recently. I was involved and still am involved in uh, a company called Abra Silver, and that's done very well. Um, and I've worked with a couple of other mining companies, and some of which have been a learning experience in terms of what not to do. Um, I'm not going to name names on that, but uh, just you know, not what you want to see in uh, a mining company or any company for that matter from an investment perspective. But like, like, like what? Tell me about that. I think it's important. Those lessons are as important to you as the successes, if not more important. So what were the lessons that you learned there and the things that you're not going to repeat? So one, one major one that I really didn't appreciate as much when I was an equities analyst was the importance of the board of directors. Because normally you think, well, it's, you know, it's a management team, it's a technical team. You know, the board is just there for oversight, which is true. But I think in many cases, the board... Um, gets taken for granted. And yeah, I saw examples where we had directors that had virtually no equity holdings in the company. And you know, looking back, you could see their, their viewpoint on the company wasn't really that from, it wasn't the same as an investor. Yeah, you can see why. I mean, when I put significant money into a company and I work as a director, I, you know, my goal is to make money on that. Um, so there's good alignment. When you see those people um, that are there for maybe some options or maybe even just a retainer, you have to wonder, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why are you involved with this company if you don't have skin in the game? I mean, I'll be honest, um, you know, being involved with CanStar, um, I don't take a big salary. It's quite small. I put my own money in. But I want a lot of options because I'm not here to make a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. I want to make millions on the equity. And I don't think anyone's going to complain if that happens because as an investor, you're going to be making money. I mean, the only way I make money is off my investment or off the options. So I think that's kind of unique. And when you- Well, I wouldn't say it's unique. It's, it's definitely rare because we, we, we see all too often <laughs> directors, board directors, um, paying themselves serious amounts of salary 
and then using some of that money to buy shares because it looks good, the optics look good, uh, and take the options and take a director's fee and take a consultancy fee. So I agree with you, there's some fun and games out there. So you, you've kind of, you, you learned the, the hard way that that sort of thing happens. Uh, what, else, what else did you pick up along the way? Intrigued. Yeah, and sort of just to clarify that point, I didn't mean to say unique. I should have said important. I think it's yeah. it's crucially important they have that alignment. The other thing I I saw um, is the importance of metallurgy is a big one. Um, well, it really, you know, we know jurisdiction's important as well. But one thing I realized is you know metallurgy because it's very easy for companies to talk about resources and drilling and you know, how many ounces do you have? But eventually, you know, those need to be economic ounces. And if they're not, there can be a tendency with some companies where if you know the metallurgy is going to be challenging, you don't do the work. And that's, you know, that's just not right. You know, it's tempting, sure. But if it's not economic, stop wasting your company's money and move on to something that will be and stop pulling the wool over people's eyes. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, we, and we've spoken to a few companies like that, a handful of companies like that in the last 12 months, but they're hoping to crack the, the code with some new technology, and maybe some will. But one has, um, others not yet. And I think that's that's the other thing. It just it takes a long time to waiting around for a technology which come along and solve your, your, your problems. Um, so it's very hard to walk away from. So, um, I mean, Rob, tell me this. Um, I was sort of reading up, and we've obviously interviewed the Arbor Silver guys as well. I mean, what, what was your contribution to that? What did you walk in and find? So, yeah, Arbor Silver. Originally, I was a consultant to the company because the team was based out of Argentina and they had a great asset but the wrong team. And when I get involved with that, um, there were a million dollars in the hole and they were defaulting on their property agreements. So, you know, in that case, what do you have? You have a team that isn't working. You've got no cash to explore. And in fact, you know, it's questionable whether you even own your property. So that was uh, a cleanup scenario. Fortunately, it worked out. But in that case, I merged with another company called Athon Minerals they had a bit of cash and they had a great team, you know, so then put together again, the property, um, put together the team and it's been a 10 bagger. Um, and I think there's still more potential there. So that's exactly the way you want it to work out. I still am a big investor there. I'm chairman of the board. Um, and that's, that's been my baby. So let's talk about, the fact that you, you, where you've come from should also inform the way that you're going to be talking to the market because you know what investors want to hear. But at the same time, you've also got to deliver those things. So who have you brought on to help you and enable you to deliver the things that you're going to need to talk to the market about? Yeah. So the one thing I'm not is a geologist. And generally speaking, with a, an exploration, kind of, especially grassroots type exploration, you probably do want a geologist um, running the company because of that area of expertise. I mean, I bring the investment type mentality that geologists typically wouldn't bring, but to, to make up for that inadequacy that I have, yeah, you know, I, I like the learning curve. You know, I appreciate that. And that's part of why I'm here. But the other thing I've done is I've formed a technical advisory committee and that consists of three people with PhDs in geology. You know, so 
they'll know much more about geology than I've ever known. So one of those is Lawrence Winter from Altius Minerals. And so that's based in Newfoundland and they know that's their backyard. So Lawrence knows the property very, very well. In fact, it was Lawrence and Altius that put it together and we optioned it from them. Uh, I have Dr. David Palmer, who uh, people may recognize from originally Probe Mines, which was sold to Gold Corp. Now he's running Probe Metals. So he's done a lot of work in gold exploration in Ontario and Quebec, um, which can be applied to Newfoundland as well. And then just recently we brought on uh, Dr. Laurie Curtis. And so he has a, a 40 plus year background um, as a geologist. He's also, he's formed, formed companies like Intrepid. Um, and then he was also a mining analyst uh, in Toronto as well. So he's got both the technical background as well as capital markets. So, you know, they're pretty critical in terms of uh, supplementing you know, what I bring to the table and oversight. And I think pretty impressive roster for a company that has a 16 million market cap. Yeah, so, but, uh, but it's, again, it's important that they actually do things. They're not just there to pick up some stipends from you um, and many others. Again, it's a model we see. People just want to sit on a board or advisory uh, and they'll sit on as many as they can. It's nice, cheap money for doing nothing. So how are you integrating them into what you're doing? What have you challenged them with helping you to do? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, you don't want to just say, hey, I've got these people and they don't do anything. They just look nice. Um, so first of all, we don't pay them anything. <laughs> um, you know, they do get options. Um, so David Palmer uh, is actually a director of the company as well. So he gets options for that. Lori Curtis, we brought on just recently and we gave him an option package as well. Um, and then Lawrence Winter doesn't get paid, but because Altius um, optioned the property to us, um, they, they're currently 11% shareholders and that will go up over time with some additional option payments. Um, and with the exception of Lori so far, they're also investors. So Lawrence has put his own money in, um, Dave Palmer has put his own money in, and I think uh, you know, over time, Lori will put money in as well. Okay. So that's even better. Right. They're putting money in. So what have you challenged them to do for you? Well, the big challenge that we have as a company is we've got all this gold at surface. Um, you know, this high grade. I mean, we've got one grab sample that was over 4,000 grams per ton which is fantastic. Um, but the question is, you know, where do you get economic quantities of gold mineralization? Um, and, you know, companies have tried back in the 80s, in 2009 to 2011, and they've, they've managed to find gold mineralization, but it's over fairly narrow widths. So it's really figuring out, in this case, it's, it's structural geology and what are the tools? Because on the one hand, it was fantastic. We've got the 620 kilometer claim package. There's a potential strike length of 95 kilometers. The flip side of that is uh, how do you manage that? You know, how do you take, and we've got a small team, um, you know, a core team in Newfoundland is three people, you know, and then we, we bring on additional workers. But even if we have a team of 10 people, how do you manage to break down a property that size in a reasonable time frame and with a small budget. Um, so that's really what they're tasked with doing is 
you know, look at the information that we have. Can we use tools like soil sampling, geophysics, um, and even prospecting? You know, collectively with that hundred years of information, um, it's even it's asking the team the right questions and having a different approach to say, yeah, you know, have you thought about this? Have you tried that? Um, and yeah, it's just it's guiding the work to say where do we go and what do we do and with without a massive budget well i mean but therein lies the challenge you and hundreds of others before you right you sit on these land large land packages and people get excited oh we're sitting on huge land packages and i just go that's a huge liability because you're going to need to spend money to work out what you've got there right so it means nothing mm-hmm. as an investor and you, with your investor hat back on how what is your plan because you, 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 again, there's lots of orogenic stories out there. You chase high grades, you might get some bulk, or you might be just out looking at bulk. Who knows? But with some of the grades, that there's sample graphs that you've been mentioning, and they're, I mean, they're off the charts. They're insane. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was it 1100 something? There's one of them at 1100. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, four. Oh, the biggest, the highest one is 4,485 grams. Yeah. And, 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 and similar all the way down. So it, it, it's very exciting headline grabbing stuff, but it doesn't pay the bills. So with a, with a limited budget, and I know you're tight with your G&A and salaries and all of that sort of thing, so it's all, it's all good stuff. What, what do you think you're going to have to do in terms of be able to roll this thing out? Are you going to have to um, bring partners in? Are you going to have to go out and raise something, get some of those big headlines out there, get people excited, raise a lot more money than you have to date? I mean, how do you go about it? Because it's tough at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's tough at the beginning and it's, it, it's tough to say exactly what you want to do. So for example, right now, yeah, we're planning, we're still setting the budget, but I mean, the budget's going to be call it a million and a half dollars in expiration, which is not a lot. And especially when you start drilling, I mean, you, this is not a property where we can just go poke a whole bunch of holes in it you know, and use probability that poke enough holes, you're probably going to get lucky and find something. Um, so, you know, we, in, I guess we rely on conventional tools. I mean, soil sampling works. Um, it's not overly expensive, um, and it gets us into the right area. Then we use prospecting. We've got some great prospectors in Newfoundland, um, you know, looking at rocks and finding those high-grade samples. Um, and so different pieces of the property at different stages. Um, there has been a bit of drilling done, but it's all shallow, and it hasn't hit those um, big bonanza grades or intercepts yet. Um but I think we're getting close to that. The biggest thing is understanding the structure. Um, and you know, it's also a situation where um, we're quite fortunate because there's another company to the north of us in Newfoundland called Newfound Gold. And they're about so same rocks, similar style mineralization. Um, they're about two years ahead of us. So they had their discovery hole in 2019 and they hit 20 meters of 93 grams per ton of gold. So yeah, that's kind of what we're aspiring for. I mean, their drill program back in 2019 or their exploration program was $600,000. Yeah, and they spent about 
uh, I think call it $2 million in, in the two years before that. Um, so I don't think our exploration budget is too wild, but it, it's what we're hoping is get into the right area and at least you know, with maybe 10 holes initially, um, you hit some good grades in that and hopefully some spectacular grades where then you can go out and raise more money because people say, okay, yeah, you've, you've demonstrated the potential. Now go do some more, or, you know, drill wider. But, but, can be but how do you take the luck out of it? That, I guess what, that's what I'm trying to get at, Rob. How, how do you talk, get the, take the luck out of this? How do you, uh, it's, so it's not a kind of drill and hope scheme here. You know, you, you've, I get the peers around you. There's some nice names around you um, on similar rock, but I'm trying to work out what you're going to, what your baby steps are to get to that point with the limited budget that you've got. Yeah, and yeah, unfortunately, there's no sexy answer. I mean, we could say, yeah, we're going to go out and use artificial intelligence. Um, no, it's not. There's not enough data. It's it's not going to work. I mean, we have to use old-fashioned brains, quite frankly. Um, and but what you can do is um, you, know, you can try to skew the odds in your favor. So I mean, where we have outcrop and we can trench, then yeah, you know, we'll do that. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than drilling. So if we can trench, and that's, and that's the nice thing about Newfoundland because we're dealing with gold that starts at the surface and some really nice high grades. It's not you know, 800 meters, 1,000 meters down. Um, at least we can see some things at surface. It's not great. We get a lot of till, you know, not that much outcrop, but at least it's pretty close. So even when we start drilling, it's gonna be 100 meters, 200 meters, but we'll we'll try to trench first. And if you get a trench you know, where it's 10 meters of 10 grams, well, let's, drill underneath that trench. We'll try to figure out the orientation, drill underneath that. So at least, you know, I, I think I'm going to get something similar to what you see at surface. And based on structure or based on mag, um, IP doesn't really seem to work here, but we use mag. You know, let's see if we can hit something where maybe you get a fold um, or you get, what's very important here is these cross-cutting structures seem to be very important. So let's yeah, look for those cross-cutting structures. Let's look for certain features. Let's have a trench at surface. It's not going to be 100% success, but at least hopefully we got a pretty good chance. Then you go, okay, if we hit maybe 50 meters under the trench, then let's go down deeper and see if it continues or you know, depending on the orientation, um, you know, let's test the lateral width of that. Um, so that's, that's the approach. I mean, it's old-fashioned prospecting, soil sampling, um, mag, and nothing. I think the only new thing is really the interpretation. And to that extent, you know, the other, what the other companies are doing and their evolution of the understanding is beneficial. I mean, Newfound Gold is going to do 200,000 meters of drilling. Um, well, what, what they learn in terms of what works, what doesn't work, um, that's going to help us, and hopefully, we're, you know, hopefully we'll have fewer misses. Right. Um, talk to me about some of the things that you can control. Precious metal market has come off, right? Um, after you know this this year, I think a lot of um, charts for gold companies, explorers, developers look the same um, for, for sure. What are the things that you can control that you are going to be able to go back to the market with? Because again, you're with your fund manager hat on, your investor. 
um, hat on. You've got to manage your budget in terms of what you need to do on the ground, good old fashioned geology, and how you talk to the market to get them to look at you versus the next guy, of which there are quite a few. Yeah, and that it does go back to you know, what are you buying here? And you know, as much as I want to promote the story, I don't want to over promote um, because I want to get people in at a reasonable value in the context of the market. Um, you know, if if I go and spend two hundred thousand dollars on a marketing campaign, first of all, it's bad use of capital, but um, because it's not going into the ground. But also, it's going to pop my stock. I probably can't raise money off of it. Or if I do, I'm not going to have a loyal shareholder base because they're going to buy in at the top. And then when I stop spending that money, it's going to pull back. So it ideally, I like to see it go up gradually based on the returns. Um, you, know, you shouldn't price this based on a discovery. Um, you know, Price it based on the merits of the property. So that's part of it. Um, you know, it's bringing the right types of investors as well. So this is, you know, it may take two years. It's not, you know, hopefully we get lucky in six months and we have a killer drill result and we're off to the races, but uh, it may take longer. So we try to bring in, you know, longer term investors as opposed to traders. Um, and then, I mean, the gold price is interesting. And, you know, when we, first funded this property in September of last year, and I capped the raise at 2 million. We could have raised a lot more, but we wanted to preserve the capital structure. Um, now, because prices have come back, it'd be tougher to raise that money. Um, well, you found it tougher. You went out to raise 1.75 and actually closed 1.29. So it, it was a tougher environment. Yeah, that was in December. It was, yeah. it was flow through, so it was a limited window because we had to close by the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, even there, I thought, you know, some brokers would be able to contribute orders of about 400, 500,000. And it was, it was almost zero. Why? What's going on out there? Well, it's just, it's fun flows. So, you know, when gold is hot, there's lots of money flowing in and you deploy that capital. Then other times, um, you know, like now or recently when gold is pulled back, people don't want to put the money in, which is, I mean, it's a bit ironic because, you know, if you deployed capital in August of last year at the top, well, you're down on your, you know, whether you bought gold or gold stocks, I mean, you're losing money. And, you know, Rick Rule always talks about this, you know, if, if you want something, it's a certain price, and then it goes on sale, and it's 30, 40% off, normally, you'd say, hey, there's that thing I wanted, and it's on sale, I'm going to go buy it. In, in the the mining space, you go, oh, it's down 40%. Geez, I, I don't want it anymore. Um, so yeah, there's better value now. Um, you know, I think gold, I think hopefully is bottomed here. Um, but even, you know, $1,700 gold is nothing, nothing bad. It's, uh, especially in Canadian dollars, it's, uh, Six, yeah, it's an 1650. Price. 1650 I'm happy with. Yeah. It's all good. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not a producer. You know, if I can find uh, a gold deposit, you know, if it's economic at seventeen hundred or two thousand or fifteen hundred, I mean, that's so good. Not my focus day to day. It's more, can I find something that's you know a million ounces plus? That's really what 
But to your point, looking. but to your point, it's about you know, you know, are you going to be able to find the right types of investors? Because I, I, I agree with you. You know, if there's a discount at a store, I'm, I'm, I'm buying, and it seems to it seems to be that the gold bugs have gone quiet. They're unsure about what's going on in the marketplace um, at the moment. No one's able to articulate uh, a story which tells us how people are thinking, why the markets are behaving this way. And we've seen all sorts of strange. Things like GameStop and uh, similar you know, silver squeezes and so forth, and uh, money being pumped into the economy like never before. Yet the market's not reacting as expected, and the good old safe haven of gold ain't working. Well, I think to some extent it is. It's just um, I think gold was more forward-looking, um, and it typically is. And gold really ran up in an in advance of things like copper and oil, um, and it, it should. I mean, those things get consumed, gold gets stored. Um, I think it, maybe it ran too hard, too fast as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at, you know, still the environment we're in, I think you're gonna continue to see a lot of stimulus. And I, I think the, the governments and the central banks have become somewhat addicted um, to that. I mean, certainly, I look at a number of governments around the world, Canada's being one of these, you know, in the past they'd run small deficits. Now they've got massive deficits and, but the voters are okay with it. And I think we'll be okay with it for the foreseeable future, just because money's still cheap and people like that liquidity. So I think this liquidity is going to continue to flow in. Um, you know, they say there's no inflation, but in reality, you know, those dollars are just going into the market. Um, they're going into housing. Um, and I think there is a different form of inflation, which is why, you know, if you look at the true value of money, I think people are putting it in hard assets because that's what you do in that kind of an environment. You know, you're, whether it's gold, silver, copper, oil, um, physical assets are going to be worth more because currencies are just going to be worth less and less. So you think, and I think you know, gold is probably going to go up again for that reason as well. Right. When? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's in the process of bottoming. I think, you know, it's, it's pulled back almost 50% from the highs. Um, I guess, yeah, and even, you know, don't want to get into Bitcoin or other things. But I mean, gold is acting fairly rationally as well. I mean, you see yields, you see bond yields go up. You would expect gold prices to pull back. Um, but touching on that, the other reality of governments and central banks pumping in all this liquidity, these governments can't allow rates to go up too much because they're going to bankrupt themselves and they're going to, they're going to, halt their economies, which is not the goal. So you know, these governments and central banks are going to do everything in their power. They'll let rates go up a little bit, but then they're going to cap them. And, uh, you know, I think you do that with pumping liquidity into the system. You know, keep rates low. And that's a good environment for, uh, for gold and hard assets, for sure. Do you think people are getting a little bit confused with... Um about how to invest now because you've got bitcoin going on a tear you've got nft non-fungible tokens out there people are getting excited about which 
to the old old guard seems nuts. So does so does you know cryptocurrency seem nuts? But because you know we've done things the same way forever doesn't mean it's right, and we shouldn't have one eye on the future too. Do you think people are being distracted by things like that? I think there is a distraction, and I think there's a you, know, you always get a new generation of investor as well. And yeah, when I was in my 20s, I didn't invest in gold. Um, and if you'd asked me at that point, you know, are you going to go put 10% of your wealth into gold? And that's, yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, I wasn't around in World War II. You know, I'm not used to, uh, you know, where I had, a, I had a friend who actually came from Nigeria and he talked about how they had gold actually hidden in the driveway and the day came where they had to escape and you dig up the gold. And we said, well, we're not living in that kind of an environment. But over time, you get to realize, you know, the benefits of gold. Um, and I, I suspect, you know, there's a, there are newer generations and, you know, certainly the Robin Hood and Reddit crowd who probably don't hold any gold, you know, and they're more likely to buy Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and it's working for them. Um, but I think long run, in the long run, I mean, gold's been around for thousands of years. Yeah, there are genuine reasons for its value, and I think they'll continue with the scarcity. Yeah, this, and again, not to be distracted by Bitcoin, but I mean, the scarcity argument for Bitcoin originally was intriguing until they came out with 2,000 other cryptocurrencies. And suddenly you say, well, you know, Bitcoin is scarce, sure, but uh, yeah, nothing else. Whereas gold, it's still going to be scarce. You know, it's, there's not a lot of it. Um, it gets more expensive to mine. And yeah, it's going to go up and down, but the long-term trend I think is your friend. Oh, nice cliche. That sounds like a Rick Rule one too. <laughs> I'm speaking to him on Friday. I'm going to, because he's retiring, well, semi-retiring. So we're going to have to get another dose of, of some of his mantras and, and cliches before before he goes. Um, okay, well, like I wanted to just ask you about that because of your, your background, but, but back to what you've got laid out ahead of you with, with this project, it, what I'm hearing is, it's you're being careful with the money. There's nothing kind of cute about what you're doing. You're trying not to, you know, raise fast money off the back of hype. You want to do things the right way. But even then, at some point, you're going to have to make some decisions. So where's the point where you think you're going to have to make some decisions about how you develop your assets out here um, in terms of, you know, whether you do it or you have to bring partners in or you have to go and raise some, some capital? Yeah, so it's really an evolution. And I guess, so, yeah, there are really two things. So one is we want to build a company that's a platform. You know, so I love our Golden Bay project. I think it's highly prospective. You know, I think there's a high likelihood of discovery, um, but it's not 100%. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, there's a chance that you get, you know, lots of gold that surface, but it doesn't hang together and you're never going to be able to mine it. There is that possibility. So, you know, going back to the trading analogy, well, you know, let's do the work, but if it if it's a loser, then let's cut our losses before you blow your brains out. I mean, you had all these mantras on the trading desk, like live to fight another day, you know, never waste all your capital. So the other thing we're doing with cancer, I'm trying to do there is to build a platform as well. So in the event that we start to see that, you know, we can't make anything of the project, well, then we're gonna take that team and that platform and that mentality 
and we're going to go find another project. But in the meantime, um, you know, just to be specific, um, you know, last year we only had two months out in the field. We we acquired the option, uh, deal closed late September, and we had about two months to get out into the field um, before there was snow. And so we went to a small piece of the property um, where there had been this high-grade discovery. We did uh, five trenches. Two of those were very good, and we had um, a couple of intercepts in one of the trenches, for example, three meters of 10 grams per ton of gold, um, which is good. You know, so potentially, you know, you could drill under that and hopefully, um, you know, there's a wider intercept, but that would still be, it would be a decent intercept. What we're going to go out and do first is we don't think the trenches were long enough. Um, we, the other thing we're doing right now, actually, is we've got a, one of our guys who's a geophysicist is in the field doing ground mag because we, we want to see what's going on in the ground. Uh, we can kind of see it on the airborne, but it's not detailed enough. So we've, you know, it's going to be $30,000 for a ground mag program. Um, but we're going to see what are the targets for drilling. We're going to extend those trenches. Yeah, it's, it's thousands of dollars, not hundreds of thousands. We have this other target to the north of that called the blowout target. Um, last year, we did a soil grid on it. Uh, is about uh, one and a quarter kilometers long now by 400 meters wide. Yeah, lots of good grab samples. Um, that one we will do some trenches on early on the program, but there's not that much outcrop, so we'll probably have to drill it. But um, yeah, that's already a, a one plus kilometer target with um, you know, number of samples at least 10 grams per ton of gold. In some cases, 30. You know, we've got a couple of boulders there that um, have some base metals, have some silver in them as well. Um, so there's a lot going on in there. So again, that's another area we're doing ground mag. Um, and then, yeah, this year we'll, we'll put some drill holes in that. They'll be you know, maybe 100, 150 meters deep, but it's, yeah, it's a budget that um, even say you spend a million dollars, hopefully, um, you know, that's going to give us some good returns when people then say, yeah, this is worthy of maybe a $5 million exploration program. Um, you know, we have to, we have to prove this as well. Um, if the right opportunity comes along where there's a good investor who wants to put more money in, we'll, we'll take that as well. Um, but it's, you know, it's a bit of an approach where, I don't want to raise $5 million now, really dilute my capital structure, you know, say bring in a strategic. I mean, if I brought in a strategic right now on the merits of the property, give up 10% of the company, say, well, I'm going to get, even with the premium, I'm going to get two, two and a half million dollars. You know, I, I mean, we're gambling a bit here, but you know, I'd rather take the money that we have um, get some good results with that. And then maybe that strategic comes in down the road for 25 million. Um, yeah, I'd rather see that it's risk return. Um, it's putting the money in the ground in the right places. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm counting on my technical team and, you know, elements of luck as well. But, you know, actually we've got one prospector who says gold doesn't fall from the sky. 
And, uh, you know, we know there's gold there somewhere. It's, you know, it, it does come at surface, close to surface. Um, but yeah, it's just finding the best parts of it. It's not, you know, three meters, 10 grams is good, but where's the 10 meters, 20 meters, 100 meters? Um, you know, we've got good strike lengths, but you know, it's not going to fly if it's just a two meter seam over a kilometer. I mean, you can't mind that. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, um, Rob, I, like, I appreciate you going through the story with us. I think you've got a plan ahead of you. you just got to execute it. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. I know you've been very cautious and, um, and I appreciate the honesty um, today. But I'd love to hear how you get on. Some pr- I mean, pretty impressive numbers so far, albeit you know, at this very, very early stage. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see how you get on. So we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to tell the story and hopefully we'll come back with some uh, some really good results and a much bigger market cap. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.